we're going to create the most compelling, the most well-produced, the most well-thought-out content related to liberty that exists today. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. Welcome, 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 my friends, back to the Lions of Liberty podcast, this little place where I, your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, strives to advance the ideas of liberty, and this is episode 115. Today's show is sponsored by Health Excellence Select. If you are sick and tired of dealing with your Obamacare insurance, you need to look into Health Excellence Select and the amazing concept of health sharing. For more information, head over to lionsofliberty.com slash health. We are also sponsored today by LibertyManiacs.com, your one-stop shop for political and satirical apparel and merchandise. As a listener of this program, you can receive a 10% discount on your entire order by using discount code LIONSOFLIBERTY at checkout. So head on over to LibertyManiacs.com and express your inner Liberty Maniac. My guest today is the host of the Jason Stapleton Program, a fantastic libertarian show, which I highly recommend listening to. He is also behind the launch of Liberty One, a brand new online television and radio network dedicated to individual liberty and free markets. Jason Stapleton, welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Thank you so very much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. Uh, Jason, I've been listening to your show for a little while here, and I've heard yourself describe before on the show how you used to consider yourself a neocon. Uh, you are a former Marine. You've been involved in the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. So why don't you just tell us a little bit more about your journey? How did you become, to coin a phrase, a lion of liberty? I was a military guy, and I left for the Marines the day after I graduated from high school. Uh, and I spent some time in the infantry, and later with a sniper unit, and finally with a force reconnaissance unit, which is the Marine Corps' version of special operations. And I was, uh, you know, I was like any young twenty-year-old kid who who wanted to use the skill set that he'd been sitting around training. I was, I was excited when September 11th happened. I mean, that's, that's wrong to say that, but there was a degree of excitement. I was living in Okinawa at the time. And so I was getting ready to deploy. So I was getting ready to go on a, on what they call a MU or a Marine Expeditionary Unit to tool around. And when the World Trade Centers got hit, things went went crazy. Uh, they they locked us down on the base. They wouldn't let us call home. We were we were on operational security, and we were making plans to deploy to the Middle East. And it was one of those things where you're it, as a kid. I, I say that I was 21, 22 at the time, and. And as a kid, I wasn't thinking about the rationale for going to war. I, I didn't. I didn't take half a beat and say, "Hey, wait a minute, is this a good idea or not?" It was just. It was my chance to go and use all of this high-speed, low-drag skills and training that I had been taught. And after I got out of the service, uh, after I was released, I went and, and got a job. I worked as a sheriff's deputy for a couple of years. And when the war in Iraq kicked off, I got a call uh, about a year afterwards from a friend of mine who I'd been in the Marines with who said, hey, would you like to come over and, uh, and fight terrorists? And I said, yeah, I'd like to do that. How, how do I do that? He said, well, I work for a, a private military company now, and we're doing work over here, and, and they need guys, and if you want, I'll hook you up. And I said, that would be awesome. And so through the process, I went there. I, I went to work for the mercenary organization Blackwater and their ugly little cousin, Greystone. And I spent about five years traipsing around the Middle East, 
working in one capacity or another for different government organizations and also a, a time just working for the company as, uh, as low-profile security. And it was during that time that I was kind of over there and I got really intimate with how the State Department works and how government works and what we were really doing there. Because as a kid, when you're in the military, they, they pump you through this, this, this idea that what you're doing is serving your country and you're spreading freedom and democracy. And, and I really bought off on all of that. I, you know, that, that was what I wanted to do. I, I really loved America and I loved the concept of, of liberty and, and freedom that we understand. And, and it didn't matter if they said there was an enemy out there, I wanted to go get them. And it wasn't until it became a job, like a real a job, working as a contractor, that I started to see what was what was going on, and and I started to realize, you know, what we're doing here is not doesn't have anything to do with security. It doesn't really have anything to do with protecting American freedom. Now it's just now it's just protecting different interests and different contracts getting filled. And, and I started to have kind of this awakening and, and I started reading a little bit and I started looking for different ways to transition out of contracting. And I started studying a little bit about economics and reading about markets because I was very interested in the stock market. And one of the books that I read was Ron Paul's Revolution, The Manifesto. And it, it's kind of like one of those, you, you start to feel, you go through several stages where initially you feel like, I'm gung-ho about being a Republican or being a Democrat or whatever the case may be. And then you get to a point where you're kind of like, man, I'm just not sure we're, I'm totally copacetic with everything that these guys believe and everything that they're telling me. And I'm starting to wonder if maybe there's another way. But in America, you've really only got two ways. You've got the Republican way and, or the neocon way, and you've got the progressive way. And you got Coke or Pepsi. Yeah, exactly. And, and so there's this huge middle area that people try and like, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian conservative, or they try and apply these different labels to it. And when I read Ron Paul's book, it was like somebody had written down all the things that I feel. It's just like, yeah, man, why can't we get back to this idea where you leave me alone, I'll leave you alone, we'll cooperate where it makes sense, and we'll live in peace together. And we won't flex our muscles and we won't go around the world trying to be the world's protector. And, and we won't. It, all these things just made perfect sense to me. And that's really where it started. And, and I started reading a lot more. And, and my knowledge of economics and my study of that led me to the Austrian school. I read a great deal on Mises and, and Hayek and even a lot of stuff on Keynes and understanding his principles and his ideas. And, and that's really what led me to, to move from a, a neocon belief system to a to really a true libertarian belief system. Now, that's the interesting thing about what Ron Paul did with the way he was so focal, talking about individual rights, addressing subjects in a way that people had never really heard before, the way he addressed the foreign policy, the way he addressed the war on drugs. He wasn't necessarily calling out to philosophical libertarians that already had that philosophy per se. I think in many ways he was just calling out to what a lot of just regular old people were kind of thinking to themselves but had never really attached it to any sort of political philosophy, had never really seen it discussed in mainstream politics. The kind of thing like, well yeah, why, why should someone go to jail for owning a plant? Why should someone go to jail if they have a heroin addiction? Does being tossed in jail actually help with that? Is keeping heroin illegal preventing everybody, as he just said in South Carolina once, preventing everybody in this room 
him from doing heroin, and it got a huge laugh. But it, it really expressed what I think a lot of people were thinking. Maybe not even at the forefront of their minds, but maybe in the back of their minds. It really started those wheels turning in, in a different way, as as he certainly did for you, uh, Jason. I find it fascinating how your kind of views on the war started to change. Not really while you were, I guess, in the actual combat of the war, but when you switched over to sort of, I guess, what we might call the crony capitalist side, the uh, the Blackwater and the, the other mercenary groups. So can you delve into that a little more? Like, what are the kind of things that you saw during your time as essentially a mercenary, as, as the word you used, that started to make you think that, well, maybe this isn't really legitimate. Maybe this really isn't about protecting our country or or preserving our freedoms or that kind of thing. Well, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of an interesting guy because I, I am I, 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 I love war. Personally, my my demeanor, my the I, I I the idea of going and getting shot at and having stuff blow up all day long. I just think that's the greatest thing in the whole wide world. Um, I, I I love the environment, and if I didn't have a wife and I didn't have children, I don't know if I would have ever left it. And, and that's a little odd, but I think the world needs people like that. And and I think that in when during times of war, this like for example, you got a lot of people who come back. They've got they've got PTSD, and and I, I never understood that. I, I've been my my uh, we've I've been in multiple you know uh, multiple rounds of gunfire. I've been in situations where you know our convoys blown up three times. I just I I came home without a lick of PTSD. And so I don't I don't understand that. And what you find is a lot of guys in special operations have kind of that same mentality. And so there's there's a place for there's a place for everyone, I guess you could say. But what I started to look at in in the when I was a contractor and I actually went into the war zone was I just started to ask some questions about, you know, why are we here? Because we're supposed to be here to spread freedom and democracy. And are we doing that? Well, well, no, we're not. In fact, nobody even talks about that. Nobody's even concerned with it. We talk about, I, I would go out and one of my jobs was working for the provincial reconstruction team. And my, my job while there was to provide security to diplomats working in and around uh, Iraq and then in Afghanistan as well. And I served, uh, if, you were, if you came through Afghanistan over, a, over about an 18-month time period, uh, my detail protected you. I, I was the counter-assault team commander for the, uh, for the uh, embassy and, and for the, uh, the ambassador there. Uh, I also did all of the security for the major level diplomats who came through. So Harry Reid, uh, uh, Cheney came through during that time. You had Carl Levin and, and Nancy Pelosi and, and all these people, John McCain, Lindsey Graham, all these guys. I, I worked their security while they were there. And then in, when I was in Iraq, my job was basically in, in northern Iraq was to drive around with people who were part of the provincial reconstruction team where they would show up and give a million dollars to the Iraqis to build a road. Well, these guys would have to go out and they'd have to look at the road and assess the road. And what I would find is we'd haul these guys out there and nothing would be getting done. The money would continue to get turned over, but the roads weren't getting built. The, 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 the wells weren't getting dug. And, and you're like, why, why are we here spending all this money? Why, why am I listening to, why am I going to funerals for guys who are getting killed over here for apparently no reason because we're not really accomplishing anything? And you could see right from the beginning, the police force was totally corrupt. You could tell that the army wasn't going to fight. And because I was a contractor, I talked to other contractors. And because the people I were, was driving around were people who were going to see these type of sites, we'd go out to where they were training the police. And we would say, I'd talk to the contractors. And I'm like, I mean, are you guys cool? How do you, how do you decide who's going to be a cop? 
they're like, oh, just it's it's basically a guy shows up and he says he wants to be somebody and somebody else will vouch for him and so boom, voila, he's a cop. And I said, because there's no background checks there, how do you how do you pick? How do you decide? Well, it turns out the guys who are on the day shift are fighting with the guys who are on the night shift, and they're getting into rolling gunfights through the streets of Mosul uh, over the course of a over the course of a week or a weekend. And you start to see, man, this this whole place, this whole thing is a charade. None of this stuff is is good, and we're not achieving any of the goals that we set out to here. And that starts of course, starts the wheels turning and you start asking questions like, well, should we, is it possible? Could you do it? And if, and sh- do you have a right to do it? And, and should you be doing it? And I, the questions just continued to come. And, and eventually I came to the point where I just said, no, this is, this is all a mistake. It's a mistake because it doesn't work. It's a mistake because it's not going, it can't work. And it's a mistake fundamentally because it violates what I consider to be the five principles of, uh, of libertarianism. Uh, and non-aggression being one of those. And this is clearly an instance of aggression against a, a, a neighbor state. So that's basically, it was a combination of things without getting too deep into the weeds on it that, that just led me to a point where I said, no, this is, this is not the way. That my, my belief system is wrong, and I need, to, I need to formulate a belief system that doesn't have any chinks in it, that makes sense, and, and libertarianism does that. Uh, Jason, I'm sure you've kept in touch with with a lot of your you know former Marine associates and even former mercenaries that you work with with Blackwater. Is the kind of sort of change you saw in yourself when you sort of started to look at this in a different way? Is that at all common amongst amongst your peers? I guess in that sort of group, or or are you sort of unique? Is there still really um, sort of a blockade on that mindset that this is still sort of all for freedom and and, and that kind of thing? Well, I, I can't speak for, for other people, and, and I haven't uh, – what, what I do know is I was telling a story on my show one day about when our convoy got hit and um, about four guys on the team who died right before I got to northern Iraq. And I can tell you that that, that got a very good response from the guys who were part of that. And so while I, I, don't, I don't know what their, their personal opinion is, it's probably somewhere between the, the, old, the old way of thinking and, and my way. Uh, but I, I do get a good response from a lot of those guys who, because it, they're, they're cynical. Once you've been there and you've done it, you become very cynical. You're like, oh yeah, we're here fighting for freedom and liberty, right? Yeah. Uh, once the bullets start flying, you're not fighting for anything other than just staying alive. And you spend a lot of time concerned about your friends and, and your buddies and, and just making sure that everybody comes home safe. And so the last thing that enters your mind is, you know, I've got to charge the hill for freedom and liberty. Nobody, nobody thinks that. They're just like, look, I, I got to go because my buddy's going to go. He's going to charge the hill, so I'll charge the hill. You know, where you go, I go. And that, but people are very cynical when they stop to think about it, especially guys that I worked with in, in, on the contracting side. But I, I wouldn't, I would not want to speak for them and their belief system. Uh, Jason, can you get a little bit more into what inspired you specifically to start the Jason Stapleton program? Why did you decide that you had to just not just have these views to yourself, but actually get out there and find a way to spread them to other people? And I have to say, you're doing it in an, an incredibly impressive way. I mean, if I tune into the Jason Stapleton program, the video program online, uh, what I see there, how that's presented to me, if I was flipping through the channels on cable and I came across your show, it wouldn't look out of place at all. Now, of course, once I start listening, it, it would seem out of place because of the, the stuff you're talking about, you're not going to find. <laughs> 
playing on cable TV today. Uh, but it's extremely professionally produced is the point. And um, I, I'm just curious, you know, you were not a television or radio professional before you started doing this. So how did you kind of, what was your process in, in sort of producing such a professional program? Because I, I think that's probably a hurdle for a lot of people that might have a lot of these ideas that might say, well, you know, I, I really want to make a difference. I want to do something new. But, you know, I, I don't know anything about TV. I don't know anything about radio. So what can you say to people out there that I might be just curious how you went from just a Marine and, um, you know, a, a stock trader to a guy who's now hosting an extremely professionally produced show? Uh, well, well, thank you for that. First, I, I we have worked very, very hard to to be able to give the, the to give the look and feel of a professional show uh, that would that would be attractive to a, a wide audience of of cable viewers. And, and it's nice that we've we've been in discussions with some distribution, some national distribution and international distribution of the show. And uh, it looks like the Liberty One is going to have some international distribution when we launch in September. And so that's kind of nice. I don't know how big it will be, but it, it is going to be nice to have that under our belt. And, and it's because we, and we invested a lot of money, six figures, more than six figures to, to do what we're doing now. And in the scheme of things, that's, that's relatively small. But what I did was when I left the, when I left the contracting business, I, I, I started trading for myself. I started trading uh, international currencies. And so I combined my, my passion for politics and economics with the markets. And I got to be pretty good at it. And I decided that, uh, I'll make it the story short, but I decided that I wanted to teach other people what I was doing because both there was a financial gain there and also there was a community aspect to it. And so I started teaching people and I started by opening up a trading room where people could come in for three hours a day and could watch me trade. And I did that for years. And we still have someone at our company, his name is Akil, who does that at Trade Empowered, which is the, the, uh, the trading company that I own. And uh, three hours a day, he's in there, and, and we're, well, I'm talking. Talk for three hours a day on everything, everything from economics to trading and, and teaching and all this stuff. But I had to keep it very geared towards the subject matter. So I have, you know, I have all these opinions about what's happening economically because of what I know about economics. And I have all these issues with what's happening politically because it all ties together. What's happening in the stock market, what's happening in, in what the Federal Reserve is doing, and what your local government and national government is doing all interrelate. But I couldn't talk about certain pieces of it because I risked offending people who had paid me to teach them how to trade. And I recognized that my goal was teaching them and getting them consistently profitable with their trading. And I didn't want them, I didn't want my message and what I was trying to teach them on the trading side to be muddled or to be confused with my, economic, with my personal beliefs about politics. But I got to a point where my business was doing really well. And still does very well. We are, I think, to at this time, the number one currency education company in the world. And, uh, and I have the number one YouTube page for anybody who's interested in, uh, in, in learning how to trade currencies. So that had all, was all going well, and there's lots of money in the bank, and, and I'm like, okay, what do I want to do now? What do I find fulfilling? Because I decided a long time ago that I, I was going to do what, what made me happy. And what I really wanted to do was I wanted to talk about politics. I wanted to talk about economics. I wanted to be able to share with people, look, these idiots in Washington, what they're doing, not only does it not make sense, but it's bad policy. It's bad economics. And we need to get back to, a, at the very least, a constitutional government. Because the, our constitution, when you strip it all back to the original founder's intent, is very much a libertarian document. 
I'm not an anarchist. I do believe in government, but I believe government exists for one purpose, and that is to ensure the liberty of its people. And so I, I talk about it, and I use evidence each and every day on the show. It's, it's an hour-long show every single day where I take current events, and we talk about the economic and political ramifications of the decisions that people in government and people in the Federal Reserve, both in the United States and around the world, make. Um, one of the things we're going to be talking about later this week on the show, uh, which I'd be, well, I've already aired by the time this airs, I'm sure, is, uh, is a discussion about France. France is setting up fake companies with fake profit and loss and fake products to sell because unemployment is so high in their country that those people can't get real jobs. So they're just going to set up fake jobs for them. <laughs> and, and just the, the utter buffoonery of that, the lack of any sort of rational understanding of a, of a market system is, is shameful. And we need to, but we need to explain why. We need to take the time to walk them through it and say, look, here's an example of why this doesn't work. Remember, and, and I spend a great deal of time going back. I know that you've been listening to the show recently in preparation for this interview. And one of the things I tell people is, look, you're going to have to listen to the last week because I am constantly referring back to stuff that we talked about on Tuesday, stuff that we talked about last Tuesday, because it's critical. We, the, these, these events and these news items don't happen in a vacuum. They interrelate as well, and it's important that you be able to piece something from yesterday's show with uh, a show that I'm going to do two days from now. And so it really takes it's, – it's for people who are really interested in learning about liberty and understanding how to be armed with information when they go out into their daily walk of spreading that value system. How did you sort of take your knowledge and your desire to get out there and desire to start this show and translate that into the professional quality that you've put forward? I mean, how did you go learning the process of creating a professional TV program, a professional podcast and that kind of thing? Well, one of the nice things about my, my other job, my, my education company, is that we were really a leader in, in video production. I saw what was happening in, with video production and, and the ease with which and – the, and the, it used to be in order to set up uh, – we, we've invested uh, over $100,000 in our studio to do what we can do. And just, just probably five years ago, it would have cost us you know, quadruple that. Four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars to do the same thing. So I saw that prices were coming down dramatically, and I recognized that more and more people. We continue to see video content increasing online, and I said, I want to be in there. I want to be sharing my message via video with people. And so we made an initial investment in our office when we were very new to buy some basic video equipment and start doing some pre-recorded stuff and, and editing it down and creating these video packages for people to see so that uh, we had a higher quality product than anybody else. It's one of the reasons people like to come to us to, to get their knowledge is because we produced a higher quality product than anybody else, not only in the information, but also in, in the actual visuals that, that we released to them. And so when it came time to start the start the show, I said, I want to do the same thing, but I want to do it live. I want to be able to stream live around the world in real time to anybody who wants to, to watch. And then I also want to record and, and do that uh, and have the recordings available as well. Well, that's a feed in and of itself. The live streaming piece adds a lot to it. But it's nice because the way we built it is it requires one guy to operate and uh, we record everything live in real time with the first take. And then as soon as we're done, we stop the recording and we trim off the front and the back. 
so that we've got a, a nice little edited down version and then we release it for audio and video. So it was a process of, a, of about five years of previously doing a lot of video production and then just translating that into what we're doing now. And, and I, it, was, it, was a, it was a risk because you're, you're looking at this and you're like, okay, how much money am I going to have to spend to make this thing look good? And it, originally, I came up with a $10,000 budget. I said, I need to get multiple cameras, and I need to have a switcher, and I need to have a, uh, a mixing board. And, and so I, you know, I went out and invested the, and I need, then I need a set. So I've got to go out and buy some stuff for a set and paint a couple of walls, and, and then I need lighting. So I got some, basically just some setup lighting that you can, that you can put up on stands. Adds up quickly. And no, it adds up really quickly. Anybody who's tried to do it, you're like, good grief, this stuff is so expensive. Well, once I realized, I, I got it up and we ran seven test episodes in February of last year just to see if I could do it. And I ran one a week and then I shut it down and I talked with the team at the office and I said, is this something that I, we want to do? And the guys in the office were like, we love this show and we, we want to do this. And I said, well, that's good because I want to do it. And since I'm cutting the checks, I just want everybody <laughs> to know that that's what we're going to do. And I said, we're going to go to five days a week. And then I turned around and I said, well, what do I need in order to make all that happen? Because we've got limited time. I only have, I've had out 10 people in my, in my company and dedicating two guys to doing this show, one for editing and, and, and distribution and one for live recording is a, is a, is a big, it's a big thing to, cause those guys then can't be doing something else for the company. And I said, how do I streamline the process and, and do it right? And we came up with, uh, I mean, it, it was going to cost a probably, like I said, six figures, another fifty, seventy thousand dollars to do everything we needed to do. And so I went to my business partner and I said, "Hey, I got this wild and crazy idea. Uh, I got this show talking about liberty, and I want to try and make something out of it." And he said, "Okay, well, you know, what what kind of profit potential do we have in this?" I said, "I don't know. I, I said I don't know how I'm going to make money with it. I just feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing." And I said, I don't know how we'll make money, but I know that if the content is good enough, that people will come and we'll find a way. And he said, do it. He said, what, whatever you need, just go do it. And so, I mean, God bless him. He's, a, he's, a, he's one of the best partners that a guy can have. And, uh, and so we went and we spent the money and we invested it in the studio and LED lighting and three, you know, a, a four camera shoot and an entire TriCaster system to do automatic recording and bring in live video and, and audio and all this different stuff together. And we've created something that was really cool. And as soon as I built that, I said, well, let's just go to the next level. Instead of just having one show, let's create an entire network because that's really where it's at. If we want to really impact, I need to be able to go out to all these other people who are creating exceptional content in the Liberty community. And I want to create a space where, where we can share that. I have these, this dream of, I don't know if you, have you seen the, the old uh, Milton Friedman thing, the free to choose stuff that he did all those years ago? I don't believe I have. Okay. Well, he did this free to choose series in the eighties, which talks about a lot of libertarian values and in, in what you should be allowed to do. And the premise is you should be able to choose what you want to do. The government shouldn't get in your way. And then at the end of every one of these little training lessons, he had this group of people come in on both sides of the issue and argue about it. But it was it was more of a it was more of a controlled debate rather than a Fox News five minute back and forth. And so I had this dream and, and the other guy, Darren, who who runs my who runs Trade Empowered, the company for me and also uh, produces the show. He said uh, he said, you know what, I, I want I want to do stuff like that. 
And so we have a living room set in our studio where we can bring people in and actually do debates like that. Now, all of that stuff is coming. We're building all of that. It's going to take uh, a lot of investment, um, a lot of people coming and getting behind what we're doing. But the goal is we're going to create the most compelling, the most well-produced, the most well-thought-out content related to liberty that exists today. My goal is to challenge the mainstream media. I have a vision of having a 24-hour news network as well as other content related to free market economics and liberty, all of which is accessible to anybody who wants to come and see it. And I, I want to get the message out and, and tell our story in a way that no one has ever been able to do before. Well, Jason, that's the amazing thing about the times we live in it. It's that old saying, uh, you know, if you build it, they will come. If you build a great product, if you produce something that people enjoy, that people are getting value from, they can actually go and seek it out now. And once you get that, you know, you can do anything with it. And if you produce the quality content as you and the many other people that you're associating with Liberty One um, are doing, there's no doubt that it's going to be successful. You don't need to necessarily have it mapped out exactly how. And the great thing about our situation today is we don't need to go beg to a giant corporate crony capitalist conglomerate like Fox News or MSNBC and beg and plead to get on the air to get our message across because if we had to do that it probably wouldn't happen but now you can actually go out and, and just send your own message out there and people can go seek it out they can go to truthandmedia.com and find your yep. work they'll soon be able to go to Liberty One and find your stuff so this is really uh, an amazing time we live in it's an opportunity for all of us to really express ourselves and get our views out there and frankly we'd be fools if we didn't seize this opportunity to essentially change the the world and to get our views out there in a way that was never possible before. Um, Jason, before I let you go, I want to also touch on this story that I heard very recently on your podcast. And uh, you know, we'll link to the full episode so they can really get the uh, the full scope of it. But you did recently uh, have a little incident where you were pulled over by a police officer on your way to work in the morning. <laughs> and I, I, I just want you to touch on this real quick because I think there's some some interesting lessons we can take from it. Yeah, it was it was interesting. I I usually get into the office uh, relatively early before six o'clock, and I was on my way to work. It was about five thirty in the morning, and I got pulled over by the cops' failure to signal a lane change. And you know, it is what it is. It's early in the morning, and there weren't that many people on the road, and and so I pulled over. And he asked me, uh, he asked me if I uh, basically I'm I used to like I said I used to be a cop, been through the, the been through the academy, and so I I kind of know what cops do, and I know what's appropriate and what isn't appropriate, and uh, and I know that the stuff that I know the sneaky stuff that cops do. Uh, and not that all cops are bad. Don't get me wrong. I got an email from somebody after the show aired and said, oh, I just really feel like you made cops out, all cops out to look bad. I don't know. But the 80-20 rule applies in everything. And 80% of cops are are mediocre people. I mean, they just are. There's 20% who are exceptional. The other 80% are somewhere between mediocre and crooked. It's just It, it exists in every industry. I'd, I'd prefer mediocre, hopefully. Well, yeah, you, on the yeah, grand scale. <laughs> my, my point is, is like people, people talk about it. Like they, they need to be, they all need to be put on a pedestal and it's, no, they don't. They're, they're no different than any other industry. There are guys who need a job. They, they've got a job in law enforcement and their job is to, is to protect and serve. And, and some of them are really good at it and some of them are terrible and some of them are just outright crooked. And so, uh, you know, he came up and he asked me a question about uh, if I if I had if I knew that I if, if I had done it on purpose or if I just wasn't paying attention. So he gave me two things that were bad for me. And this is what the cop typically comes up and says. He says, Are, have you been did you know how fast you were going? 
Well, what he's trying to do is when he says that, he's trying to get you to admit that you were speeding. So the guy comes up and he says, you know how fast you were going? Oh, I don't know, maybe 70 miles an hour. Yep. Do you know what the speed limit is? Uh, 65. Yep. Okay, good. I got you. And I got you on recording saying that you were speeding. Therefore, no issue with me writing you the ticket. So he came up and asked me if I'd been lane changing, if I, if, I, if I meant not to signal or if I just wasn't paying attention. And I said, I was just on my way to work. And he goes, where's work? And I said, it's that way. And I pointed in my direction of travel. I'm not required to answer any of his questions. That's more and information than you even need to give him. Th- that's you're, right. You're and very I, generous with it. Here's the thing. I'm not one of these guys that records cops and, and tries to get cops. That's, that's not, I'm not interested in doing that. I would just prefer to be left alone. Um, but I, I'm not required to tell you where I'm going or what I intend to do when I get there or where my office is located. And so he was asking me those questions and I said, it's that way. And he said, well, where is that way? And I said, is that pertinent to your investigation? And basically what I told him was, I'm not going to tell you where my offices are. It's not relevant to your investigation. You pulled me over. You have my information, my driver's license, my insurance. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to discuss with you my plans for later on today. And so he goes back to his car, and, and a, a few minutes later, another cop shows up. And the two of them come back to my car and proceed to try and... Oh, he, called, he called backup? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know whether he called for the backup or whether another cop just showed up because he was bored. I, I live in a very safe town, and so I don't know if the other guy just came, but or I, I would assume, based on what happened next, that he had called for the backup. So the other cop shows up. They run me for wants and warrants, which is typical and fine, and then he comes back, and he hands me back my driver's license, and he says, I'm going to cite you for three lane changes without signaling. It's a $70 fine or whatever, and he hands it back over to me. He says, when was the last time that any... Oh, he asked me, uh, do you, are you wearing contact lenses? And I said, yes. And he says, let me see to verify. And he shines the light and uh, a flashlight in my eyes. Well, the reason that he was doing that, of course, is to is to check for pupil dilation or red eye or anything that would give him further indication that I was somehow under the influence of something. And I, I guess he wasn't satisfied with that because when he when he didn't see anything, he said, uh, well, when was the last time that you smoked marijuana or something to that effect? And he said, uh, and what's that smell in your car? Well, folks, just for your listeners, I don't, I don't use drugs. I, I'm, I'm so square, I wouldn't even know where to get drugs. <laughs> like, I, my kids go to private school. I so you've never a, visited the Silk Road, is what you're no, saying? No, no, absolutely not. I, and, and that's, that's just, it's not my scene. More power to somebody who, who chooses to, to live their life that way. But it's just, I'm, I, I'm so square. It's, it's not even funny. I'm a purely domesticated man. I got four kids and a wife. Church on Sunday. That's, I, that's, that's my prerogative. And so he basically was making claims about me to try and get me to consent to a search. And I shut him down. I said, don't even start with that stuff. Quit, quit with that. And he started talking about how messy my car was, which was funny because all I had was a couple of newspapers on the passenger seat. And meanwhile, the other cop is like looking in my back window and trying to see if he can find anything back there in an attempt to try and escalate it to, uh, to, to a search. And they couldn't find anything, and so they ended up letting me go. But it was – that was – a lot of people look at that and say, oh, that's nothing. That happens every day. And what I would say is it shouldn't happen every day. You shouldn't have a cop who does that. 
It's absolutely fine to pull someone over for a violation or a traffic infraction. It's absolutely fine to use that as justification to run them, run their tags, to run their license, to make sure they're not wanted. That's really one of the responsibilities of a police officer. And I don't mind paying a fine if, I, if I've done something wrong. But he escalated it to a drug interdiction when there was no evidence of that whatsoever. And that is, in my opinion, uh, an overstep, an overreach by that officer. And so I called the chief of police, and, uh, and I also uh, made some other phone calls. And, uh, and I think I'm going to just take it to court. I don't really, there, I, I mean, there's nothing that I can really do because he didn't detain me long enough. He didn't take it to the next level by making me get out of the car or anything like that. But uh, I just, I, I just I, I, if they're going to aggress against me like that, I'm going to push back. Because I'm not, I'm just not going to allow anything like that to happen, and uh, that that's just that doesn't have a response. And they they just they just picked the wrong guy to play that trick on. They they just did. I'll tell you what, Jason, I would pay to see a live stream of your court appearance. Uh, I'm not, <laughs> not going to lie, uh, but I mean, I, I think what your story really shows us it sends us a message about what modern policing is. I guess nowadays, I mean. You know, there's nothing wrong, like you said, with just pulling somebody over for the infraction. If you really were changing lanes, all right, we get it. That's your job. And sure, I could go into a whole rant about maybe how roads might be funded differently in a quote-unquote free society, but that's not really relevant here. Uh, but the point is, why did he feel the need to go even further and start asking you questions about drugs and that kind of thing? And that's because, well, hey, I mean, the cop, I don't know how much a cop's going to advance his career by just basically handing out a, a, a traffic citation, but I mean, it, it's a fact that police do advance their careers through through arrests well most definitely and and i think that it was it was a combination of that and, and he just flat out didn't like the fact that i wasn't going to answer his question right which is funny because the first i mean the miranda Wright says the very first one you have the right to remain silent uh, i'm required to turn over a license and, and proof of insurance to him those are under the law uh which i did and he's not entitled to know anything else and you know there, there's nothing wrong with you saying uh you know what I, i'm no Go do your job. If you want to cite me, that's fine. Come back and give me my ticket and, and let me be on about my business. But what they did was what they did was unacceptable. It may not have been a viol it might not have been harassment, but it was an overreach by the police. And and I intend to press back. And so they, if nothing less, he'll see me in court and he'll get a cross examination. It's very easy. What people don't realize, you know, filing for a, uh, a motion for discovery and getting a, a, a recording of the, police, uh, of the police tape, because in Kansas, if, the, if you issue a citation, you have to record the entire, the entire event. And so when he gave me the, the ticket, now he has to keep a record of the video. And so he's got to prove that I actually did fail to signal three different times. And, and then he's going to have to come and sit on the stand and answer questions. And I'm going to have the ability to cross-examine him. And, uh, and I intend to do that, if for nothing less than to make him aware that there are people in the community who are not going to allow him to act like that. I don't care if it advances his career. He inconvenienced me, and, uh, and he, made me, he made me look bad. And I, that's just for no good reason, and I, I'm just not going to allow for it to stand. And guys, like I said, you can hear Jason's full sort of 
extended rant, I guess you could say, on this subject on the Jason Stapleton program. We will link to that episode as well as your full program over at the show notes for this episode over at lionsofliberty.com. Jason, it was a pleasure speaking with you, and I personally, I look forward to working with you further. Uh, we are going to be partnering up on Liberty One here. and That's right. We'll do what we can to promote it on our end, too. We're really excited about this project. It's, it's the kind of thing that, you know, I've worked in television for the last 12 years, and, and my mind is just always churning, and this, these are the kind of things that I've always been thinking, like, someone needs to do this, and uh, before I could even make make a step in, the, in that direction, you popped up, and, and you're already doing it, so it's fantastic that this is already happening. Yeah, let me just say one more thing to your audience. Um, I'm footing the bill for this. I'm, I'm making the initial investment. It is going to take, if we want to keep, one of the things that's come up is how are we really going to fund this? Because it's going to take millions of dollars to fund this and to be able to compete with big media. The nice thing is we've got guys like Truth and Media with Ben Swan who are coming on to partner with us. We've got guys like you who have, have excellent shows and great content who are coming on to partner with us and, and, and be part of what we're doing on the radio side of things. And we're looking for content providers. I don't care if you're a documentary filmmaker, if you've got a podcast that uh, that you think is worthy of going on on the radio, uh, whatever it is that you've got, we want to hear from you. And, and that's it. You can just email me, contribute at libertyone.tv. And let's engage in a conversation because we're both, we're looking for content that, that we can put onto the network. And then the second thing I would say is those millions of dollars, if we want to keep that from being corporate, and I, I want to do that if I possibly can, it means it's going to take an investment of the listeners and viewers, um, either through a donation, uh, through a GoFundMe campaign, or, or through a subscription program for premium services or something like that. Uh, but my goal is to reinvest every penny that we get that we make uh, with Liberty One back into the company to try and grow the content, be able to produce our own, to send Ben out onto investigative reports, to have their teams working, and, and basically to be generating content that nobody else has at a higher level and a higher quality than you can find anywhere else. But I really need the support of your listeners. I, I need them to go and uh, and and sign up and and register to to get notified when we release and uh, and I need you guys to listen to and promote the shows and and promote what we're doing. And Jason, before I let you go, why don't you just give everyone real quick the the roundup of all the places they can go to find your program to find more information about Liberty One. Oh yeah, the the Jason Stapleton program. My show is available on iTunes or Stitcher or YouTube. You just need to go and into the search in in iTunes and and look for it. Uh, it's the Jason Stapleton program. And then Liberty One, you can go to libertyone.tv. There's a sign up there. And then uh, I'm not sure when this is going to be released, but I will have uh, Darren in my office put together a link. It'll be libertyone.tv forward slash now. And if you go there, you'll get to see my pre-release where I explain a little bit about Liberty One. And, and I give you guys, I ask you guys to, to sign up to the notification list so that, so that I can let you guys know about stuff that's happening. For example, um, we're very close to distribution deals, uh, some international distribution deals, which will put us on set-top boxes around the world. Liberty One on regular cable television uh, right from the jump. And it'll be small, you know, uh, maybe, maybe 40,000, 50,000 people. But that's a start. And not only does that give us a little bit of funding so that we don't have to go and ask from subscribers, but it also gives us an instant reach, an instant credibility. And I have been working for the past several months to put those things together. And I want to keep you guys notified on what we're doing so that you can notify everybody else. Because what happens is the, the liberty movement is fractured. Um, it's fragmented. 
and you've got people who are doing really great things all over the place. But for some reason, we think because we're libertarians that that everything's got to happen organically and, and we can't cooperate, we can't coordinate with each other. Oh, we don't want to be communists, do we? No, yeah, we can't <laughs> be communists. And the idea is, no, that's, that's ridiculous. We should be coming together. We should be where we agree and where we can cooperate and where we can help spread our message and we can use other people to spread our message. We ought to be doing that. And uh, at every chance we get. And my goal is, is not to create, uh, is not to redefine libertarianism under my belief system. My, my goal is to simply provide a place where we can have the conversation and where it doesn't degrade into conspiracy theory and kook ideas where we end up talking about Bilderberg and a bunch of other stuff where, where we just focus on liberty and free markets and this, this idea of the right to be left alone and what I consider, as I said, the five basic principles that all libertarian and liberty-minded folks can agree with. So I would implore your audience to please get involved with what we're doing and go to one of those places and, and make sure that you're, that you're signed up so that we can make you part of what we're doing. Jason Stapleton, thank you so much once again for coming on the show. Like I said before, I'm a huge fan of what you're doing. I'm not just blowing smoke, guys. I do listen to Jason's show just about daily. I'm not, I do miss it once in a while, but I usually go up and, and, and catch it later. So, Jason, thank you so much for what you're doing. I, I don't need to tell you to keep up the great work because I know you're going to keep doing it because you've already invested a ton of money in doing it. So, so I know you're not backing out now. And, uh, you know, best of luck, and we'll talk to you soon, Jason. Uh, thank you so much, brother. Take care. Believe me, guys, I know nobody likes dealing with health insurance companies. It's bad enough that you're sick, but now, thanks to the ACA, you're forced to pay for all sorts of coverage you don't even want or need, and the odds are you are indeed paying for it. I was frustrated, too, until I did some research and found out about health sharing, where like-minded, health-conscious individuals get together to cover each other's medical costs. And now the fine folks at Health Excellence Select have taken it to another level with a complete healthcare service, Combining health sharing with personal care assistance to help you find the doctors that you need at the best price, 24-7 phone access to physicians, along with discounts on dental and vision. And if that wasn't enough, they even have a website that works, if you can believe that. Guys, if you are struggling with a solution to your health care needs, look no further than Health Excellence Select. For more information, head on over to lionsofliberty.com health. Guys, if you're anything like me and like to wear your political beliefs on your sleeve, Liberty Maniacs is there to help you literally do just that. Liberty Maniacs is an independent brand that designs and sells some of the world's favorite political and satirical apparel and merchandise. From funny political t-shirts to libertarian-minded posters, art prints, humorous mugs, and thousands of other products sold by some of the most trusted retailers, Liberty Maniacs has become a top source for liberty lovers of every stripe all across the globe and a thorn in the side of everyone from the NSA to top politicians. And now, Lions of Liberty listeners can get 10% off your entire order by entering the referral code Lions of Liberty. That's all one word at checkout. Again, that's referral code Lions of Liberty for a 10% discount. Head to LibertyManiacs.com. Wear something worth saying. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed my interview with the great Jason Stapleton. Hey, there's actually a good chance 
If you're listening to my show, if you've been a fan of my show, you may not have heard of the Jason Stapleton show yet because it's a relatively new show. Now, if you go to jasonstapleton.com or to truthandmedia.com and flip on the Jason Stapleton show, trust me, if you watch for 10 minutes, you're not going to believe that he's only been doing this for seven months or so. You know, you're going to think this guy has been a broadcasting professional for the last decade due to the high quality of the production, as I mentioned before. And this is the kind of stuff that Liberty needs to move mainstream. I don't think Liberty needs to change its ideas to adapt to be mainstream, to adapt to what the talking heads are saying out there in the MSM, at Fox News, on MSNBC. Because the fact is, those guys are slowly, and maybe not even that slowly, but surely becoming completely irrelevant. We are leaving the age where you have to just flip through the channels and you find whatever news these big corporate conglomerates are spitting out at you. No, we're entering an age where people will seek out the programming and the type of information that they desire. Now, hopefully you desire the Lions of Liberty podcast. If you're listening to my voice right now, you've gotten this far. You must think it's worth something to you. And people should be watching the Dayton Stapleton program or at least listening on the podcast. Like I said, he's partnered with great people like Ben Swan. He's partnering with even more great people like ah, myself. I don't know. I'm not calling myself great, guys. I'm just saying. <laughs> He's partnering with a lot of great folks. Tom Woods, Johnny Adams of the Johnny Rocket Launchpad, who we heard from earlier this week. All sorts of great minds, because in many ways, there's so many great minds in the libertarian movement. Many, many great minds. So many great projects. I see great articles everywhere. I hear great podcasts everywhere. I see great video stuff everywhere. But it's so fragmented. It's kind of all over the place. It's in little pockets here and there. We need to bring this stuff together. We need to really show that there's a force here. We need to present to the world this vision through all these great minds out there doing these great projects. And Jason Stapleton is certainly one of them. I'm thrilled that he's taking the lead in creating this project and putting all this time and investment into Liberty One. It's the kind of thing the Liberty Movement really does need to have a true voice and to not seem like a little niche, quirky little odd rinky-dink philosophy that 1% of people vote for in elections. And yeah, that's less than what the Libertarian Party gets. But frankly, and I'm not against Libertarian Party activism whatsoever, but I don't think that the numbers that the Libertarian Party produces reflect necessarily the amount of, I guess, libertarianism in the populace, if you can say. The the way that libertarian ideas can resonate. I think there's a lot more than 1% of people out there. Frankly, I Maybe I'm optimistic. I think we can get to 100% of people. We're all human beings. We're all born the same. We're all born with these blood cells and these nerves connecting us. Why can't we all translate the best, the right, and the moral ideas to people? I don't see any reason anybody can't learn and accept this stuff. Now, a lot of people are products of their environment and are going to be very not very prone to hearing this stuff. A lot of people are products of public schools, products of their parents repeating the bad ideas they've heard, or products of that mainstream media who's been spouting the same garbage for decades. The times, they are changing, folks. They're changing rapidly, and Jason Stapleton is a man who is leading the charge, so please go check out his program at jasonstapleton.com or over at Truth and Media, at Ben Swan's Truth and Media, because we're going to keep supporting what people like him are doing, just like he's supporting what we're doing. This is how you build a movement, by helping each other out, by expanding, by holding hands, and proclaiming your freaking beliefs to the world. As we do here, each and every day, 
at our website, lionsofliberty.com. You didn't think I was going to forget the plugs, did you? Come and check us out. We have brand new content every single day, folks. And of course, we have podcasts twice a week, every Monday and Thursday over at lionsofliberty.com. Please do go subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher and leave us a rating and review that would do wonders for getting this show to more ears. You can also come find us on our social media, facebook.com slash Lions of Liberty, over on the Twitter, at Lions of Liberty. You can even find us on Google+. Plus. We've got a special forum on Facebook, the Lions of Liberty Forum. You can go look that up, or we'll link to that in our show notes for this show, which you can find, of course, at lionsofliberty.com slash 115. And folks, until next week, live long and live free. 